So I had the great privilege of traveling to Israel about a year ago. And while I was there, I met a missionary who, for the sake of the story, we're going to call James. James had a really interesting experience while he was in Israel. James was out in the city of Tiberias, a bit off from the Sea of Galilee. And that particular day, he was handing out Christian pamphlets, ones with a little bit of Bible message in them and a gospel message. And as he was handing them on the street, he was spotted by a Jewish man. At the time, he didn't really think much of it, but the man was taking a lot of photos of him. And then shortly after, he started to make a call. Well, bad news for James at the time, because they had called for help. In about five minutes, racing from a nearby synagogue was a 12-seater van packed with angry, furious Jews, all geared up. Not only were these Jews angry, but these Jews, were pla- they were ready with plastic bags full of stones. When James spotted the, st- the, the van coming, they quickly hopped out and started slinging these stones at James. He started running and he had to hide. He managed to escape from these people. When James told me this story, I asked him, what keeps you going? These people clearly hate you and they want you dead. And he replied, well, Jesus was far more patient with me than I am with them. And he, I was a rebel against God and still he saved me. Well, today we're going to look at a passage in the Bible where Jesus shows an amazing patience with people who are also holding stones up to him. But the way that Jesus deals with them is even more kind and even more gracious. That even angrier people face Jesus, and yet Jesus answers them compassionately and clearly. And most importantly, we're going to learn just why Jesus' patience is a great hope and assurance to us all. So please join with me as we read through John 10, verses to, from John 10:22, which can be found on page 760 on the small print Bibles and 1667 in the large print Bibles. And I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we follow the passage bit by bit. So in this passage that we're looking at, it begins by telling us when it is. It's helpful to understand what they're celebrating. The festival of dedication, otherwise known as Hanukkah, is a story that happens about 150 years before Jesus' time. It was a really hard time for the Jewish people because Jerusalem had been taken over by a man called Antiochus. He had forced all the Jewish people to worship the Greek gods. It was an absolutely horrible time. He turned the altar into a place for a for worship of Zeus, and he defaced the entire temple, making the temple a place of pagan ritual. The Jews were no longer able to worship God. Instead, the temple where God himself resided and was a place to worship their one and only holy God had become a place where they sacrificed pigs. Pigs! How offensive and blasphemous against the God who had told them that pigs were something unclean. They were something to be avoided. They were disgusting and they were dirty. What blasphemy? But a rebellion arose and they fought back to control Israel so that they could have their temple, they could worship God and they could cleanse the temple and make it their own again. 
a holy place where God could reside, a place where they could worship God once again. And this was what they were celebrating, that the temple was theirs again, that they were able to worship God here, that God's people had prevailed and the temple was cleansed. And so as the Jewish people were celebrating, this is a joyous occasion. And then all of a sudden, there's Jesus. They see Jesus and they start to approach him. So please look at me, look with me at John chapter 10, verse 22. <coughs> verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. What we see here is that they're all crowding around him and they ask him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Savior? They're wondering if he is the one who will set them free. Save them. But save them from what? Was it the the Roman Empire? These Jews had just been through a period of silence. They had faced 300 years where not even a single prophet had spoken the words of God. But scripture had been pointing to a savior, a messiah. The scriptures were filled with promises that ones that were greater than the prophet was to come. But who was it and what would he do? They were expectant, yet they were doubtful whether Jesus was truly the savior that the scriptures had foretold. Even though Jesus had performed many miracles and he had been faithfully teaching from the scripture, they still did not believe that he could possibly be their saviour. And because of this, Jesus says, you are not my followers. They are not his sheep. They do not believe in him. Look down and look and read verse 24. The Jews who were there gathered round him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. So you see, despite the fact that they don't believe, and most likely they won't believe in Jesus, he still patiently answers them. Jesus gives them more than they deserve. He is patient with them. And Jesus shows them that it is important to believe in Jesus, to believe that he is more than an ordinary person to follow. And he tells them why they don't believe in him, because they are not his sheep. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. And just as last week, we learned that Jesus is the good shepherd. He reminds us that he is the one that keeps us, keeps those in his flock. And he never lets anyone out of his clutches. No one can steal them from him. But who is this man who can say that no one can snatch them from his hand? Well, Jesus tells us. And he answers the question, just not in the way that they were expecting at all. He says that not only can the sheep not be stolen from his hand, but that he is one with the Father. He is one with him. He is God himself. Look to verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We see Jesus telling them that he is God. 
But how unbelievable would it be for the Jews? How can he be God? How can he be the God that appeared to them in pillar of cloud and pillar of fire? He is the God that freed them from Egypt. How can he be the burning bush who appeared to Moses and spoke to Moses? How could he be the God of Israel, yet be in front of them right there as a man? Blasphemy. How dare he claim to be God? How absolutely offensive to these Jews. God himself had given them a command that they must not follow other gods. It was written in stone. It was given to Moses himself as the Ten Commandments. No one but Yahweh was to be their God. But that's the thing. Jesus is God. And he had revealed himself to them. God himself was in the temple. But they didn't even realize that. The God whom they were going to worship in the temple was right in front of them. And here they were with stones trying to, halt, trying to murder him. Turn to verse 31. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. What is going on? They're holding their stones and they're on the verge of killing God himself? They dare kill God? They dare kill God's chosen one? Would they dare do such a thing? Blasphemy. To dare kill God himself. They are just as bad as Antiochus. The guy who made people worship other gods. This act of wanting to murder God the very God that they are there in the temple trying to worship? They want to kill their own God. They are celebrating the festival of dedication, yet they are planning on doing something far worse than Antiochus did. They want to stone Jesus. They want to murder God. But still, Jesus has complete compassion on them. Despite their blasphemy, he patiently asks them why they want to stone them. Jesus is still patient. Look down to your Bibles at verse 32. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Yet still true to the character of God, he is patient with them. Even though they are going to stone him, Jesus is nothing short of patient. He is willing to reveal to them the mysteries of scripture and show that he isn't just a human messiah, a mere prophet, but he is someone greater. He is a messiah who is actually God himself in the flesh, revealing himself to them. And he confronts the very belief that is stopping them from believing him. He asks them, why are you so bothered with me being God when you have been called gods yourself? Just as the judges were called gods because of their high status and the Jewish people were called sons of the Most High, yet when I say that I'm God's son, you're offended? Still, Jesus is reasoning with them, patiently dispelling their wrong thinking. His works and his teaching have shown that he is more than a human savior. He is God made flesh here to save them all. He is one with the Father and he is God. He is the one whom they worship, whom they celebrate during this festival. But they want to murder God himself. They have accused Jesus of blasphemy when they are the ones 
who defy God himself and try to kill him. And Jesus escapes from them. What patience Jesus has shown them. To the point of what we would have called attempted murder in our justice system. Jesus has waited and reasoned and talked to these murderous people. He has shown them what a patient God he is. Let's look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said, You are God's. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know. Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. And as he escapes, we get to see a beautiful thing. We had first seen those that weren't part of God's flock. But then now we do get to see those that are in God's flock. The ones that believe that Jesus is God and he is their saviour. The ones that believed what John the Baptist said about Jesus. Even John the Baptist knew that Jesus was God. In John 1, this might have been a while ago for you guys because Jeff covered it many weeks ago. You might remember John replying to the people, asking him who Jesus was. He replied, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way for the Lord. John the Baptist knew that Jesus was Lord. John knew that Jesus was Lord from heaven who had come down to save the world. John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew who Jesus was. And so did these people who had come to Jesus. These were the ones that Jesus had said were part of his flocks. The ones that knew that the voice of their shepherd. They recognized the patient God and they believed that Jesus was one with the Father. These ones were the ones that could not be snatched from the Father's hand. Look with me at verse 40. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. We have just seen these Jews that are celebrating God, yet they are trying to murder the very God that they celebrate. Yet Jesus is patient with them and reasons with them and shows the Jews that he is God. And then on the other hand, we see people who do believe that Jesus is God. And we are told about how those in the Father's flock cannot be stolen from his hand. Jesus has given them eternal life. But let's think about that for a moment. Jesus is God, and Jesus said that he is the giver of eternal life. Yet he only gives this to his sheep. So what does it mean to be his sheep? Well, the good news is, Jesus has told us. Those that are his sheep and have eternal life are the ones who listen to his voice. They are the ones that believe what Jesus says. 
Friends, I know that some of you here might not believe the things that Jesus says. You might not believe that Jesus is God. Well, I want to encourage you to really think about what the passage has to say about Jesus. That Jesus is God. And there is a God in heaven who is patient with you. He is a God who even in the sight of murderous people would still try to show them who he is. There is a patient God in heaven, and he has revealed himself to us through Jesus. And he has shown us even greater patience to us, a rebellious and disobedient people who don't deserve any goodness, any patience from this holy God. Yet still, he shows us patience through Jesus, who died a humiliating death on the cross. He died because... He wanted you to be part of his flock. He wanted to give you eternal life. And he was patient enough to die for you. It is such good news for those of you here that don't believe that Jesus is God. God hasn't given up on you. God is still patient with you. It is not too late to trust in a wonderful and patient God who cares for you. It doesn't matter where you're at. Whether you are interested in God or you are holding stones in anger and fury of the hurt that you might have experienced from the church or from God. Even if you feel far away from God and feel that it is impossible for a God in heaven to come close and care for you, God is still here and he's still showing you immense compassion. He wants to make you part of his flock. So please, please don't be like the Jews and ignore the fact that Jesus is God. Don't ignore that he is an extremely patient God who cares for you and for your soul. And I ask you not because this benefits me in any way, but because I do care for every single one of you sitting here. I want you to have the enjoyment of having certainty in knowing that you are part of God's flock and that nothing can be done to steal you away. That you are with God always and this patient God who came down on earth to show you how much he loves you would give you certainty that you have one greater for you. A God in heaven who is for you. The comfort of knowing that the creator of heaven and of earth is for you and not against you. So please go to him. Pray to him. He is there for you. He's waiting for you. Ready to welcome you into his flock to give you eternal life and security in knowing that he will never let go of you. And for for those of us who do trust in Jesus as Lord and the Savior who has come to rescue us, those of us who believe that Jesus is God himself, who revealed himself to us on earth, well, isn't this the greatest news ever? Jesus says that none in his flock can be snatched from his hand. That's amazing. It's almost unbelievable that we can have such certainty and assurance. We live in a world where we try to make everything secure. We put all the things that we have valuable hidden and safe. We put our money in banks and we even carry these pieces of metal in our pockets. And we call them keys. Why do we even carry keys around? Because we want certainty. We want certainty that when we return to our car, no one has broken into it. We want certainty that when we go home, 
No one has taken all our things and our house is safe. We desire and long for a greater certainty that we cannot have in this world. But we can be assured of one thing. We can be certain of our eternity. With God and knowing that he is ever patient, we can have complete security and complete comfort in knowing that we can never be stolen from his hand. He will show us patience forevermore and we will always remain his. There will not be a time where his patience runs out on us. That's what makes it so amazing and so unbelievable. It's so wonderful that God himself can promise without a sliver of doubt that he will keep us in his hand and we can never stray too far without the gentle hand of our good shepherd protecting us and bringing us back. This is the God that we worship. We have a patient God and God's patience will never run out on you. That is the certainty that we can live with. No one will take us away from God. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift the scriptures are to us that you have revealed through these wonderful words the Christ who came to save us. But you did it also to show us who you are. We have learned today what great patience and assurance we can find in you. We are thankful and grateful that you were patient with us when we were rebellious and you give us certainty in your patience even after all our failures. We pray that those of us who are still unsure that Jesus is God, that they would realize that you are such a patient God and they would come to you, that you would help them see that you care for them and you are patient and you are welcoming them into your flock. And for those of us who are trusting in you as our patient God, help us live in light of this patience and live fully and wholly to you, assured that we are yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.